Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello and welcome to the China Shop. Step right in, step right in. We're so glad you're here. I'm Shopkeeper Dan and with me as always is Kyle creator of financialnetitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good, but should be asking how you're doing. Is your internet going again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this this is, is two. round two of this particular call because an internet outage cut us off uh, last time we, we tried it. Uh, we are joined in the shop today with a very special guest, uh, Nick Proughton. Uh, how are you doing today, Nick? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me and uh, yeah. bearing with me through the technical difficulties. Oh, no, no thank, thank you, you for bearing with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, uh, Nick is quite a bit of an expert when it comes to cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. Uh, and from what I understand, you're a spokesperson for the Load Project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, the Load yeah. Project? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I presently act as the COO for uh, Load, but I'm a bit of a Swiss Army knife, uh, which includes mm-hmm getting up on podcasts like this one and and chatting with good folks like yourself. Uh, Load at its core is an initiative to uh, put gold and silver on the blockchain and restore it to the monetary system. So uh, the project founders believe, you know, uh, for most of the world's history, we've actually used gold and silver as, as monetary metals, meaning as actual currency. And up until about 1971, we actually had a gold standard in the United States. And in, in most world uh, developed nations had a backing of some sort. We moved away from that, and what was witnessed was that your, the value of your money actually depreciated pretty considerably. In fact, over the past 100 years, it's about 90% depreciation of the U.S. dollar. And so uh, the, the, at its core, you know, what we do is we, we marry the best of both worlds. We take blockchain tech, uh, which allows for, you know, uh, immutability, accountability, um, uh, decentralization and uh, in the case of the blockchain we're on uh, instant settlement uh, and marry that with a standard that has really stood the test of time uh, you know two very large capital markets and uh, commodities gold and silver so how does that actually work then uh, you mentioned that it's a cryptocurrency but it's backed by gold and silver does that mean I can take my uh, I don't know what the units are called in, uh, with load but AUX and AUX so AG being silver AU being gold so I, so I could take one of those and I can actually go and exchange it for, for a bit of gold or silver? Yeah, you could. Uh, if, you, if you very well wanted to, we have a very healthy and robust redemption policy. Um, um, the idea is every single AGX coin is backed by one gram of vaulted audited and insured silver. And uh, similarly, the AUX is backed by one vaulted audited and insured gram of gold. But beyond uh, being uh, having to redeem that because, you know, Having physical gold is nice, but, you know, you can't go into a shop and buy anything with it. It's not practical. Right. If you want to make money, uh, you have to create a payment ecosystem that is designed to adopt this, uh, build to handle this this digital gold and silver, which is what we've been doing over the past four years. Um, and there are lots of benefits to keeping it on a blockchain. Again, the ability to send 
you know, small denominations back and forth uh, to people, micropayments, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff that made having physical gold really impractical, uh, you know, um, we can, we can now restore that, you know, um, we, we, with the gold standard, we did have, um, uh, you know, paper money to back us up back then. However, uh, the big flaw with that is that you were still fractional reserve banking, right? The dollars weren't entirely backed. Um, and, and so right. you were running the risk of inflation and so on. Whereas this is, you know, every single asset is uh, audited, vaulted, accounted for, and, uh, you know, accessible. You know, we're about to list on our first exchange in the next couple months here. Um, and we have plan a robust plan for, for, you know, several more th- by the end of the year. And there are other gold competitors out there, but we're, I think, really first to market when it comes to um, with silver. So it's an exciting time for the project. So how does that, how does that work then marrying it with, or having it backed by, by that? Are you having to like purchase gold uh, for the reserves? Uh, yeah. In order to create new currency, or are you still actually mining it like the, like traditional Bitcoin and the other ones are done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the blockchain that we're on top of is called Syscoin, and it uh, does mining uh, similar to to how Bitcoin does it, mm-hmm. uh, the proof of work. Um, and when it comes to our physical assets, the gold and the silver, um, in our initial stage, we crowdfunded it. We got a, you know, we we wanted this project to be for the people by the people, so we went and we found a a huge uh, stack of, of uh, precious metals enthusiasts who um, purchased their, uh, what we call our load token asset, which is kind of like our equity asset, uh, but they purchased it using gold and silver. Right. That was the only way you could get in is if you gave us gold and silver, you paid a bullion dealer who gave us gold and silver. And that allowed us to have a huge pool of this precious metal to tokenize right? huh. and put onto a blockchain. And so the low tokens, which you guys can still pick up today if you're interested, are, are basically your stake in the ownership of the entire ecosystem uh, of this digital money uh, system. And it, it, it yields a, a dividend and is classified as a bond. Um, it's classified as what? A bond. A bond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So we've taken a very long regulatory approach to this project versus lots of people who are kind of, uh, you know, quick out of the gate and then get slapped by the SEC or uh, some other major financial regulator um, and and then their projects either get you know sunk or they never see the light of day um, okay. and uh, it's been a long arduous process because you're dealing with two really different regulatory environments one is precious metals and the other of course is cryptocurrencies but um, mm. you know four years later we've largely done it and uh, and now it's it's time about going to the market at scale and we have a great payments platform that we've built not just the cryptocurrencies we also have our own mobile wallet solution where people can buy directly from us or as again, like market adoption picks up, you'll be able to see this in, uh, you know, your most common cryptocurrency exchanges. I want to, I want to go back real quick to the gold. Do you have to worry about like, where do you store it all? <laughs> multiple vaulting partners, um, you know, uh, throughout, throughout the world, right? We have places everywhere from Singapore to Delaware. Right. Okay. So it's not buried somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in the backyard. Okay. That sounds a bit safer. Earlier, and I wasn't kidding. No. Um, they, 
you you as a low token holder you are you know that's your stake in ownership of the entire ecosystem and that includes includes the precious metals right so again mm-hmm. this is for the people by the people um and um those metals are distributed across the world for risk mitigation sake right you know there have been uh clawbacks of precious metals in the past and we want to minimize that as much as possible so um there's that's one purpose of having the vaults distributed the other purpose is uh shipping precious metals isn't cheap oh i bet yeah why is coming from where somebody is uh shipping it themselves to to get a load token or something like that then you uh you want to give them the best possible rates and so that's the other side of the the deal there so uh, hopefully that answers your question about you know the gold and, and where it's locked up and um the nice is there the thing is there is insurance on this so you know all hell breaks loose yes because there are pirates still too there there are still pirates. <laughs> uh, fortunately we're not and this isn't captain phillips yeah no, i am the captain no yeah <laughs> you know but uh but yeah so, uh we've, we've really done our best to provide people with a, a system they can have confidence in um mm-hmm. And and understand that you know the money is insured, the metals are insured, they're vaulted, and you know having that burden, you get all the financial upside without the burden of having to have a, your own independent vault. Right, Dan, you had a question before I cut you off about the pirate bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was just wondering. Okay, so so say that I'm I'm all in. I love this idea. I want some of those load tokens that give me more tokens in the future. I can just log in. I just create an account on load.one and and put in my credit card info and buy buy a stake. Yeah, absolutely, man. You can you can claim your stake in the in the monetary system of the future that easy. Um, that being said, there's one extra step in there, right? So uh, to buy the digital gold and silver, if you want to start stacking and preserving your wealth and trying out this new money, um, I highly recommend downloading the Load Pay Mobile Wallet. Um, perhaps even more so than the uh the website but uh um you know the mobile wallet's done really really well it's got a slick ui and all of that um that doesn't require much of an identification for you to get started you can literally just give us your name and your email and you're you're off to the races um with uh load tokens because they are a security right you do do a little bit more in terms of KYC. It's not really invasive. It's basically just a proof of address. You know, show me that you're not uh, on the sanction list. And no, uh, uh, right, exactly right. And, you know, uh, you know, proof of uh, proof of ID. So like driver's license and a and a selfie pic of yourself to see that the pics match up. And then and then you can go buy uh, and claim your stake in the load project. And again, we do this for the sake of uh, protecting not just the project, but you know, the other, the other individuals in this community. Right. So got to do that regulatory work. If you want to play ball in this, right. You got to check the boxes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really fascinating. So the, the, uh, okay. So I, I understand the, the simple concept of, of tying it to a physical asset to, to fight inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's going to make this better? for me than just going out to like pawn shops and buying my own gold and, and burying it under the tree in my yard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, for one, uh, you know, I get tired after that much shoveling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for two, um, for two, Ian, when you go buy physical bullying, you're paying a premium. 
right? You're, you're paying a premium uh, for a one ounce coin can run as high as a 50% premium. And we know that because we built what we call our price oracle, which scrapes data from tons of major bullion websites and, and give, lets us know what the price of a metal is um, versus spot, you know, per, per tier, one ounce, 10 ounce, hundred ounces, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we're able to tell you with confidence that, you know, like a one ounce coin will often have a 50, 50% premium and it can even go higher in some circumstances. And so you compare that where we're able to top that, that premium considerably down, you're getting much closer to that spot price. So, uh, you know, you're getting the metals at the cost of a fraction of what they, of what they retail for in the public market. Mm. Um, and again, um, you know, you might have this one ounce coin, good luck trying to find a merchant that's going to take the physical metal, you know, versus where we're at right now, where we already have merchants accepting, um, you know, digital gold and digital silver as payment because they can easily swap between currencies that they need to, when they need to for their, for their local, uh, taxes, uh, you know, pay like paying staff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, I know, I know for a fact, uh, it, it doesn't work out for it the other way. I had some actual silver coins that I needed to sell uh, to, to, to pay for some stuff. And I shopped around all the places in town that would just buy the silver from me. And I, I was not getting the rate of silver that was on the market, for sure. Yeah, I, no, I had to take a big never, cut. You're never going to, right? And that's the thing is they, they cut. You're paying more and you're selling it for less. Exactly. Uh, and you know, there's always the futures markets, but again, with the futures markets, uh, as we've seen with the whole wall street bet scenario is, you know, it's essentially legalized gambling or gambling is legal, but you know what I'm going for right. here. It's, it's, it's such wild speculation. And in some cases, you know, you're over leveraging more than the actual stock or inventory that is on hand. So, so with this, it's a much more honest way of doing things because you can have the confidence this isn't fractional reserve banking. Every AGX coin is backed, every AUX coin is backed, and, and it's redeemable for the metal, right? Mm -hmm. So there's uh, a certain level of honesty that comes to the table in the forefront with this methodology as well. So I could, I could for instance, I could, I could amass an amount of the AUX, and at some point, I could, could I decide, you know what, I really do want the physical gold that's related to these coins. I could go and redeem those with you guys and actually get like, I mean, I would probably pay for the delivery, but I could get like the metals delivered to me or I could go pick absolutely. them up. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. uh, that's, uh, you know, and that's really like at its core what, what we want to have this system be about. We want it to make it easy again. You used to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so to the best of our abilities, we're going to provide, provide that service. Um, for you guys so they're really like i see it as an absolute win to quote uh end game you know <laughs> i see this as an absolute win there's very little uh financial downside the only real downside is that you know it's still early days in the market and um you know financial adoption uh is on its way but it's not 100 percent there yet with crypto technology right so there's still a battle to be fought in that front but um, the more I go on these shows like these and the more I talk with gentlemen like yourself, you know, there, I sort of at least feel a, a level of enthusiasm for this concept because, um, you know, millennials especially get screwed. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I've been getting screwed and uh, people who are really thinking about how do we 
create a better system for the world that we live in. I think there's a real desire for that kind of technology and that those kinds of that kind of money and financial tools, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I, you know, uh, I think that's part of the reason why, why Bitcoin has been so successful as it has been, you know, and in the cryptocurrency space at large, it's been this like rallying cry for a different way of doing things. Speaking of, of Bitcoin, Bitcoin has, uh, really just kind of taken off as far as value goes. Um, it goes on those incredible runs and then also has those incredible drops. Uh, I assume with, with load being backed by actual physical assets, I, I'm guessing it doesn't have the same propensity to, to fall off, you know, 80%. Yeah. So, I mean, the difference between a Bitcoin and a Bitcoin and, uh, and, and something like gold and silver is gold and silver have inherent value, right? These mm-hmm. things are, like we've used these things for thousands of years. You can't argue that track record. Yeah, they do. They do fluctuate, but they largely retain their purchasing power when compl- uh, compared to inflation. And, uh, and y- y- some people will argue, you know, Bitcoin maximalists will argue that, Oh, Bitcoin has inherent value because algorithms and trust. And, and but that's all, that's all based on people putting faith in something. I if just nobody, had that argument with a previous uh-huh. guest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if nobody wants to buy that that thing, it's not that valuable. But silver, for example, is one of the biggest commodities in the world, and it's used in almost all modern electronics. So there is a floor how mm-hmm. low they're willing to go because we literally need this stuff to to build technology and to um, you know and to uh, put products out into the world. And so it works great as a monetary tool in that respect because there is that floor. And gold is similar. Although gold largely uh, operates as a store of value, that again we just seem to like the shiny rock. Right. <laughs> we seem to like the shiny rock when it comes to gold, um, but that's why we kind of lead in with the silver more than we lead in with the gold in the project. You know, gold is not going anywhere. It's tight. It's trusted. It's proven. But and they have and can both of them, you know, comparably have uh, inherent value compared to Bitcoin. Do you guys have? Oh, <laughs> Get some hate mail now from Bitcoin Max. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have? Does the the company have any plans of adding any other precious metals like lithium or platinum or uh, like expanding that base? Or um, I think I think sky's the limit. We're certainly open to it as we um, as we get uh, larger and and you know uh, what we've done over the past four years is build the technological backbone to make this kind of stuff easy. So mm-hmm. if we want to start producing. Uh, you know, lithium or cobalt or anything like that, we could easily get this stuff under the same methodology we've already developed. Uh, right now, the core mandate of the project is to successfully uh, integrate these currencies back into the monetary system, right? To have people uh, trading uh, speculatively using them as stores of wealth for their, uh, you know, for their wealth preservation and using them functionally in their day-to-day lives for business. When we are at a point of critical mass in that side of things, I think it will, you know, open more doors to providing uh, more alternative assets, um, you know, lithium, cobalt, et cetera, et cetera. And, and certainly there is appetite for it, right? It's, right. Uh, you know, we can do, we can do anything, just not everything at once. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get one right. And then start adding. I, like it's the old Amazon method, right? Start with selling books and see how that goes for you. Right. So you mentioned you already have some people accepting tokens as payments. Do you guys have a list of 
on the website who who is actually uh, uh, any of the, the actual merchants? Uh, we actually have loadmarkets.com uh, uh, where individuals like yourself or anybody can go on and start retailing their products with gold and silver. And everybody on there is going to accept AGX and AUX. And, uh, you know, while that's not your local Starbucks yet, um, we are we are working on it, but those are um, those are business negotiations, right? And the closing cycles on those can take a very long time um, right. for you before you reach the point where where you know the ink is signed on on the paper, so to speak. So uh, you know the other the other areas that we're really um, uh, finding a lot of interest in is in on like uh, corporate corporate uh on, on corporate trade levels um big institutional players moving monies cross country into multiple currencies often have to pay really big fx rates and we're able to right. you know borderline eliminate that and some through the use of this currency uh these currencies and uh, again because they're stabilized and and generally do a good job of of uh holding their value compared to fiat there's arguments for these institutions to um to maintain a balance in, in gold and silver, as well as in their in their operational expenditures in fiat currencies, um, those guys are under NDA though. Oh, okay. So all all since these are crypto coins, uh, just for for some people that aren't quite as informed, mm -hmm. uh, all of the information regarding the exchanges of these is kept on on the blockchain. Yeah. So um, we we go through multiple we go through multiple layers. Um, with our system. So we have uh, an internal ledger, a permission ledger called Hyperledger, and we have uh, the public blockchains that uh, go out to consumers. The, the reason for the internal ledger is, is uh, it allows us to have, again, more permissions and uh, do the account management as we need to. Mm -hmm. um, Especially, if, for example, if you come to the store and et cetera, et cetera, and you and you start doing withdrawals or, or something like that, if you if you uh, withdraw some silver from us, come to the store. I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, you know, we need to be able to, to have certain um, we need to have certain functionalities with the ledger uh, that we can't have on a public on a public blockchain. Um, and when it would happen is you would send your your tokens uh, to us on the public blockchain. We would burn those. We would update the inventory on the hyperledger, and then you would be sent your on um, you would be sent your your precious metals, right? And um, and, it, and so this is kind of our methodology there. The other big thing is um, uh, we're interoperable, um, which means that we're kind of blockchain agnostic. So. For example, some exchanges may not use the Syscoin blockchain that we're on, um, right. you know, and but but maybe it's a really high profile exchange, right? And we would really want to get on there because we think people on that crowd would would love it. We're able to easily put our assets onto other blockchains like Ethereum, Tron, et cetera, et cetera, um, and uh, provide them. and And we've built a technology that we like to call our relay that allows people to swap between these blockchains. So that they can uh, they can use whatever assets are going to work on whatever platform, right? And that's another big piece of the industry that is still trying to figure itself out. I don't think the the true holy grail um, of interoperability has been discovered quite yet. But this is our attempt at it, and hopefully, uh, you know, three four years down the road, it's it's uh, ticking and worrying like crazy. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys got some momentum going already. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we're active in over 100 different countries, so we're certainly not hurting. Um, you know, we're encroaching on 8,000 8, members active, uh, you know, and that's a great place to be. Um, people might be like, well, that's not Facebook numbers. Where's the 2.1 oh, yeah. billion people? But financial products do tend to grow um, pretty slowly, comparably, if you look at the numbers. So do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly right. So podcasts and, and financial apps do tend to grow uh, very uh, much slower, um, right. and, uh, but we're pretty much in step with the industry standards of other major institutions that have, have done successful, the well simples, the revolutes of the world. Um, so that gives me a lot of confidence that we're on the right track. Um, and again, because the past few years have all been about providing things in a legal and compliant manner. Mm-hmm. There are limitations on what you can say until you've crossed those hurdles, right? Right. You know, and so now that we've cleared those hurdles, now I'm, I'm going out into the world and, and, you know, singing the praises and preaching to the choir and so on. So how did you get involved with, with the Load Project? Um, that's a great question, actually. Um, I was already involved in the crypto space. I was working on a blockchain, prob- uh, a blockchain project based around recruitment at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, product didn't end up being uh, a success, but that's okay. That's that's how the tech world works. Fail fast, as they say. Um, but through that, uh, I, I got an introduction to Load. Um, I got an introduction to Load, and we were just entering into the crypto winter. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking back on it, um, and for some people, they may have had the intuition to just be like, "Well, why why would you do this? Like, market's going down. Like, Bitcoin's going crashing, man. Like, can't you see the sky falling?" But um, when I look for projects to work on as well as projects to invest in, I'm always looking for things with a real practical use case and application. Um, right. you know, and, and when you take a look at the gold and silver market, you know, they were doing all right. And if this is a precious metals, uh, more so, I, I don't want to say more so, but like, you know, the value of it is derived from the precious metals versus being right. derived from speculation, um, then... You know, that gives me a certain level of comfort. And I said, okay, this, this has some stopping power. This has the ability to, to, to weather the storm and weather the cold. And, uh, you know, it'll be spring again eventually. And lo and behold, here we are. We're in the next bull run and the markets are going crazy. And it's a great time for us. You know, we're, we're knocking it out of the park right now. I always, I mean, I, I keep thinking of like the, uh, the beanie baby craze with when I think of Bitcoin. Oh, the Dutch tulip bulbs. Tul- yeah. At some point, someone's going to say, what what am i doing why <laughs> yeah i mean don't get me wrong i think if you i think bitcoin is here to stay if you look at oh yeah for sure yeah you know but uh i think the the best metaphor is is digital gold even though they're valuable for different reasons um it's slow it's not practical like i'm not going to stand for for 10 to 30 minutes at a starbucks waiting for my transaction to go through <laughs> right <laughs> lineup and the Karens in that lineup are just going to like, you know, they're going to murk me for that, that pumpkin spice. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so comparably like Bitcoin is not great for, for, for trading commerce and the, because of its volatility, uh, even if you believe it's going to a hundred thousand, you know, eventually or a million, eventually, if it, if it still goes through swings where it's losing 50% of its value at a time or, or 20% or 30%, how the heck are you supposed to price your, sh- right. your stuff business? Right? Like, yeah. 
automatic price feeds. How can, how can you? Roughly, oh. roughly equate to the dollar. It's just it's just sophisticated. And if there's one thing I've learned in the tech space is if you really want to be sticky, you got to make it easy. Yeah. Real quick, before we get uh, too far past it, I did want to explain to our listeners uh, the tulip bulb reference is a very famous incident from, I believe, uh, uh, Amsterdam trading, where at one point, tulip bulb became worth more than gold, just from speculative trading. I think there was, wasn't there a commercial not too long ago that... That made reference to that? That kind of, yeah, it, it was pretty much all about that. Like, I think at one point, some guy finally just stands up and says... It's just a tulip. <laughs> it's just a tulip. <laughs> and then the right. Yeah. Then the price crashes. <laughs> so the concern is, is like, uh, is Bitcoin just the tulips that everybody, because it's new and it's what's being traded. Uh, we, we joke about it, but I mean, I don't think that's the case. Just my, running joke, my running joke is like, what if, what if, uh, what if uh, blockchain is just Blu-ray DVDs? Straight to iPhones, right? Right. Um, There is always that potential out there. The next bleeding innovation could come along, but industries move really slowly. And as far as I can see, most major financial institutions are integrating blockchain into their their business. And I I think the technology is going to be around for a while if you you follow it. I think we saw a story just recently that Mark Cuban was going to start paying his uh, basketball players in Bitcoin. Is that, am I remembering that right, Dan? I, I don't recall. I thought you brought that up. No, that was that wasn't me. <laughs> You're going to see more of that, right? Uh, you know, Elon Musk farts, and you know the market will swing. It's <laughs> um, part of it's part of the risk of uh, of and volatility of cryptocurrencies. And to to go back to your your other question, um, Dan, about um, you know, is it is it just the tulip? Is yep. it just the tulip? Um, what blockchain and distributed ledgers are uh, are conceptually and what they represent, I think, is where most of the value is derived from. So the fact that uh, the algorithm, the technology itself provides a service of not needing a counterparty to transfer value, um, or I shouldn't say not a counterparty, but you don't need an institution to play a middleman in the transfer of value, that is... Um, that is the main value proposition of Bitcoin. Right? Now, how much that technology is worth is up to the people to decide. But, you know, um, I do think there is some inherent value. And it's kind of the poster child for what distributed ledger technology can do. Mm. Right? And, and that, holds, that holds weight in of itself, right? Uh, for better or worse. It's, it's like one part, yes, it's a tulip, one part. And, but anything is a tulip. You really look at it. If it's speculative. Oh, and not even as speculative. Like, why is a Lamborghini worth half as much as soon as you drive it off the lot? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you, you, oh. get, you get what I'm saying here, right? Like, all things are only valuable because people determine that they are valuable. Um, and, and, and why they are valuable will vary um, Will vary um, substantially. Some have more credible reasons for being valuable than others. Those are just, I like, I like the, you know, I like the Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin has value, right? Bitcoin right. does provide that service, you know, uh, of, of, again, uh, value exchange without intermediaries that has a lot of implications. And right now, um, that's really important to people, right? The fact that this isn't 
controlled asset by any one institution anywhere uh, is, a, is a pretty provocative sentiment and, and uh, a thing to exist. Um, interestingly enough, I think if Bitcoin was run by a corporation, like a company, there was a CEO, Satoshi Nakamoto, and he was all out in the public, I don't think Bitcoin would have gotten as far as it's had. I think it is the fact that it is um, wholly independent of just about everything. So, okay, that, that, that reminds me of what I was about to ask. Uh, with the institutions actually getting involved in Bitcoin, I mean, isn't that going to be kind of counterproductive to the whole purpose of it? Uh, yes, that's, that's the short answer of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it goes to the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Right. No, I mean, just for people who are into Bitcoin, if they start seeing major institutions buying up big giant blocks of it and being able to exert some sort of control over it. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a huge sentiment of that in the market uh, in the market right now, and that's part of why you're seeing more of a decentralized finance movement that are providing you know services that banks provide without mm -hmm. um, without that middleman, uh, you know, decentralized liquidity pools and and so on and so forth, um, and you know, like like I was saying, it was like if you can't beat them, join them. These institutions nearly crapped their pants. Uh, four years ago when Bitcoin started blowing up to $20,000, everybody was like, it's a scam, it's a scam, it's a scam, but right. it didn't go anywhere. And now you have all these financial advisors and experts going on saying like, yeah, this is an essential piece of the portfolio, you know, we're moving, we're moving a portion of this, uh, these retirement funds into Bitcoin and like, you know, the, the Mark Cubans and the Elon Musk's and the PayPal's and all and so on. Now they're all, now they're all preaching to the choir because they figured out how to integrate it into their business model. Right. But you don't, have to use those services right don't have to use uh, the the you know the the paypals of the world you can use software that is designed to be autonomous where people uh can't cut you out of your money or lock you out of your money and you know put the put the stop on you you know those solutions are out there and load is building itself in that direction um we kind of have to bootstrap things from the ground up, but there is a strategy in place that as the ecosystem gets bigger, that we can get more and more hands off until eventually the thing just runs by itself. Right. Yeah. Oh, was that a mic drop? Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. End Boom. of story. Everybody buy Bitcoin and cryptos. <laughs> Not Bitcoin. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> While, while cryptocurrencies are easily the most hyped up part of blockchain technologies, there are lots of practical applications, real estate transactions, um, medical records, identity, right? uh, like all of these are really, really practical applications of blockchain technology. And really, blockchains can be valuable anywhere um, um, ledgers are core to your best practices of your industry or your business, right? So I'm excited to see that part of the industry come out. Uh, more and see how it's integrated with them. Yeah. I was going to say, can you actually explain what a blockchain is? I mean, obviously I know, but maybe the listeners don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> now, I, there's a couple different ways. I'll, I'll use a couple different metaphors to help. Um, yeah, please. So it's like a virtual handshake where um, Right now, with your money system, when you go to make a payment, it's two payment. Uh, it's two. It's essentially two banks agreeing that value is being transferred between one right. each other, right? For between sender okay. and receiver. Uh, blockchain 
uh, removes those banks and is a computer algorithm, or sorry, it's an algorithm that uses multiple computers to process this transaction. It's called a consensus algorithm. And uh, these computers all come to an agreement that yes, this virtual handshake is happening, this transfer of uh, funds are being sent, uh, and, and they send the, of course, the uh, transaction to the, to the receiving party. Hmm. Uh, and they're stored on, on, that information is stored on blocks. A good metaphor that somebody gave to me even just a couple days ago was like, it's a Lego, it's a Lego uh, statue or like it's a Lego block building that you can. Mm-hmm. It seems so, you can't what? overly complex. Uh, it's it, like a Lego block building that you can't. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's like a Lego that you can't um, take apart. You know? Oh, once, once the block's been added, it's there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting for. That's kind of the metaphor that uh, I'm. Worst statue do. ever. So you can add a new block, but you can't take blocks away. Exactly. Yeah. So this is where the whole immutability uh, component comes in. And um, because, because uh, you know, I, I said like a couple computers for this example, but realistically, you know, blockchains like Bitcoin are, are mined and processed on um, tens of thousands of computers all across the world, not owned by any one central agency. And just about anybody can, uh, you know, start mining Bitcoin although it's very expensive these days. Right. Um, and because of that, um, again, there's uh, no central point of failure to the system. Mm. Um, again, uh, adding to that idea that um, you know, it's not owned by any one individual. It's this truly autonomous system. Although I, f- I feel like Satoshi Nakamoto is just going to show up one day and just like whip, whip off the veil and be like, ha ha, I control everything. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because I was reading through uh, the the coin wallet IPO information and they had to publicly disclose the things that could disrupt their business model. And they said that him showing up and unveiling himself would disrupt the, the value of Bitcoin. That is hilarious. I mean, it's true though, right? <laughs> um, I mean, if, if it's going to happen, I hope it's that way. I think it would be hilarious. Right. Uh, <laughs> Here I am. Uh, I've, it's been me all along. Find out it's Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling crypto miners. <laughs> yeah, see, you'll never work again in this town. <laughs> Follow you wherever you go. You took that back. Now I've got you. <laughs> now I've got you. Now you've got the nanobots in your skin. I control your thoughts. Uh, no, so do you think that would really be so disruptive or would it just be a fun time for people who are into cryptocurrency? I think the words disruptive and fun time are synonymous for people who are into cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's an excellent point. Oh, oh that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I do think... Uh, <laughs> here's the thing, like uh, almost every cryptocurrency under the sun has gone through some kind of legal battle at this point. Um, if not directly, then um, vicariously through other projects that are getting the hammer thrown at them. And um, like, the, like the question is with like with um, with Bitcoin, who do you sue? Right. Hey, like, like who are they going to point fingers at? There's yeah, nothing. Whose fault is it? And who's at fault? Down. Who's at fault? Right. Um, Satoshi Nakamoto, the infamous supervillain. That's going to make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, and so th- that that whole premise uh, allows Bitcoin to neither be a security, uh, like to not be a security, even though it has this crazy wealth appreciation that obviously people are buying into the market so they can get in on. Mm. Other circumstance that would be classified as a security, and there would be uh, you know a huge legal battle ensuing uh, for the SEC to get their cut and to try and put even more rigor and regulation. Regulate it. Uh, right. You know, um, so if Soshi Nakamoto comes out of nowhere, all of a sudden there is a finger to point at. Uh, okay. So that's why that it would be disruptive and because that would arguably shift market sentiment on what Bitcoin is and how Bitcoin operates. And that's just me speculating, right? This is mm. me being yeah. possible right now, but I, I, th- I, I do think that if he, if he showed up, uh, it, it could have the potential to shake markets. On the other side, I think we're all so burnt out from like trauma in, in <laughs> the past four years in general that like we could literally be like, yeah, so what? And, you know? <laughs> Unless it was Trump. <laughs> well, and, then Trump is the world would lose their mind. <laughs> I invented Bitcoin. It was me. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> it's the best coin. <laughs> I wanted to call it big coin. They overruled me. Because it's not a little bit, it's big. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, yeah, well, like, for, like exam- for example, when the Capitol building was going through its turmoil and the markets didn't blink, they were like, oh, yeah, something's happening in Washington. Yeah, that was bizarre. It's just a Wednesday. <laughs> it was another Wednesday in the past four years and then no, yeah. I, I don't want to dive too deep into politics, but like I think it is an indicator of where people are at mentally as well. It's the same in the crypto boom in 2017. Uh, you know, China had like a stranglehold on Bitcoin price. So like you'd wake up one morning and be like, you know, crypto's legal. Yay, market goes crazy. You go to sleep and you wake up again and be like, crypto's banned. Oh no, the market collapsed. And it was like that for like months. Um, no, versus now versus now it's like yeah whatever because we've reached a, a point of critical mass where there are now enough people in the system that you know a few people even or a few whales leaving don't necessarily right m- impact the market as big as they used to yeah and i hadn't really thought about that in the infancy of bitcoin how one whale leaving could really deflate the value yeah in the in the early days there was because you know it was it, um because they have such huge sums compared to everyone else. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, for example, if, if let's say PayPal, Tesla, Elon Musk, they all pull out simultaneously, right? Like, um, we'd see a, a probably a nominal dip to an extent. Mm-hmm. But what would happen is people would catch wind of that and market psychology would take hold and people would go into panic selling probably, right? Right. Um, because those people carry audiences with them. Uh, that that will cause a greater impact in the market. So, uh, who's to say? Maybe maybe people would care if Satoshi Nakamoto shows up. Maybe he wouldn't. But I, I don't blame them for putting that in there. Why this would disrupt your business model? It's definitely a concern. Uh, top ten concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it well, it made the the news article. First <laughs> <laughs> point, right? Uh, yeah. And cryptocurrencies also love kind of poke fun at themselves sometimes like we're a big chunk of them are, are big meme lords um mm. you know the lambos when moon hodl there's this hodl, um, yeah. <laughs> this kind of playful attitude around it which i think is is fun 
in some senses, like you're, you're taking a, a group of people and getting them really enthused about wealth generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. People need more financial literacy. People need to get educated and start building digital strategies for themselves. On the other side, when you're trying to do business and you're trying to say, this is the future of money. <laughs> and then people go on there and they're like, Lambo's on the moon, bro. You know, it, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't hit the way you want it to hit in a pitch, you know? Mm-hmm. So four years later, I'm glad that the industry has is, is matured as much as it has. And we have a lot of really responsible players in the place now uh, lending legitimacy to, to the practices that we're trying to, to put in. Um, now, to sort of circle back around to the load project, uh, and one of the questions I had that the conversation got away from, uh, what's, what's the, the, the speed? Like, let's say I, I buy a bunch of load tokens. Uh, how fast do I accumulate the uh, AXG and the AUG? AGX, uh, AGX. AUX. Um, so the load tokens, we have a payout every 52 days, uh, and we, we take a snapshot every 77 days, uh, to, to do the accounting. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, then we issue the rewards every 52 days. So it's, uh, right now with their relatively nominal, uh, payments. And this is because we have to get to a point of critical mass first. Right, right. We have to be trading the same way Bitcoin is trading for millions of dollars on exchanges. We need to have, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people using this app. By the time we hit that point, the system will be yielding very, very, you know, generous returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but realistically, we're still in the infancy, right? Um, most people just assume that, like, I understand we live in a time of immediate gratification. Um, the reality is, is, is building a real business and projects take time. Amazon didn't just pop up overnight. Right. right. It was 20 years. Exactly. It took 20 years. And, you know, I think, I think at the rate we're growing in even just, you know, a couple more years, it'll be absolutely mind blowing. Even next year it will be night and day from where we presently are. So it does, it is more of a long-term play. Mm-hmm. The other thing that load tokens do have going for them is that they appreciate they could appreciate, you know, uh, once we do our IEO and our initial exchange offering and they can start being traded in, uh, on regulated exchanges, you know, um, you know, people could, people could speculate that we're going to do great and, and the price appreciation on your load tokens could go up as well as you getting that dividend, right? So, hmm. um, so, so there's, there's a couple ways of looking at that. And, you know, we've had independent third party, uh, you know, investment boutiques and uh, firms take a look at, what we're building and give us their estimations and they're, and they're pretty ambitious, right? Like, again, I don't want to, I'm not a financial advisor. And not right. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll lead off with that disclaimer. None of us are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, all, all those disclaimers are there, but you know, like I, I'm optimistic on it, right? Like I, I think mm-hmm. that the, this thing really is going to go to the moon. I think this is going to change the world for a lot of people, especially in developing nations where you are stuck with either the U S currency, which, you know, has its own depreciative aspects about it. And, uh, you know, or you're in a, in a hyperinflationary dictatorship type country where, where your currency is, is shot. Right. So this can stabilize and be effective for lots of people who really need something like this. So. Sounds really great. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to see how far it can go. 
Thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll just do a quick little shameless self-promotion here. Uh, so if you're interested in just downloading the mobile wallet and getting started today, you can head over to loadpay.com, L-O-D-E, pay.com. Um, and immediately download the wallet and get uh, buying your first digital gold and silver within within a few minutes. Uh, if you're interested in, in maybe claiming a stake in the system and, and going in for the long haul with us and the load tokens, then you should head over to load.one, uh, which is where you're going to have uh, all of the really nice investor information, business plans, et cetera, et cetera, to uh, project papers, et cetera, to, to read about the project and, and its sort of uh, vision for the future. Uh, if you want to check us out on uh, Telegram, highly recommend it. You can access it from either website. We're a really friendly group of people. And additionally, uh, I uh, do my own little news show on LoadPay Media, which you can search up on YouTube at LoadPay Media and on most social media websites. Mm-hmm. So that's the best way to get in touch with the project. If you feel like telling me I'm an idiot on Twitter, you can <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Nicholas Prouten. Uh, so N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-P-R-O-U-T-E-N on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll put links to all that in the uh, episode description too, so people can find it there. Fantastic. All right, uh, Nick. I see that you're a Canadian. I think you said you're in British Columbia right now, right? I am indeed in British Columbia. Are you a South Park fan? Yes. All right. Good. I want to I want to uh, quiz you on your Canadian South Park knowledge. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do on this one. All right, go for it. All right. Well, first question. Who is the biggest dick in all of Canada? Oh, shit. <laughs> I know this. Brian Am I allowed Adams? to answer? Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not quite. I think, I think Maybe in real life. There was an episode where it was like, we, we've already apologized for Brian Adams several times. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, no. I believe I believe it was uh, Scott. Scott yeah. is the biggest dick in Canada. Dick. Scott the dick. <laughs> Scott the dick. All right, oh for one, huh? Maybe we'll have to start you off with a, an easier one. Uh, what makes up one third of Canada's national income in the South Park universe? Oh my God, and guys! Just think of think of what the most uh, famous thing they have going for them that the boys all love. Uh, Maple syrup, I don't know. Uh, Terrence and Phillip. Oh, Terrence and Phillip, right. Uh, That's a real show, right? Yeah. South Park didn't make that up. It has to be, right? It's their show in their... their, uh... (laughs) It's not real? (laughs) It's not real. (laughs) Real? Okay, okay. How about my mind, Nick? Can you name one of the traditions from the royal wedding? (laughs) The Canadian royal wedding. As is tradition. As is tradition. <laughs> the episode was called Royal Pudding. <laughs> you guys really did your research for this one. Holy <laughs> I think Kyle's just a major South Park. Not... Uh, that too. I mean, I, I, I love the work that they've done. Uh, you know, it, it's a fantastic show. I haven't kept up with like any of the recent seasons, but like, you know, the movie Blame Canada, you know, we've been doing it for years. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's another good question. What did the uh, when Canada went on strike, who replaced them internationally? Oh, I don't remember. Shit. Do you remember what they got when they ended the strike? No, man. <laughs> Coupons to Bennigan's and bubblegum. 
look, like talk it up. Okay. Maybe. Canadian, all right. I don't yeah, know. Apparently, I don't know my own South Park lore, and uh, you know, I don't like maple syrup, and I'm not a huge fan of hockey either. So, oh no! <laughs> wow. Ah, so you don't have a hockey name, even? You don't even have a hockey name. We heard that nine out of ten Canadians play hockey, and the other one is lying. That's, yeah. what, that's what we've been told. <laughs> I'll either lie or, or my mother should unveil some truths about my origin of birth. So, you know. <laughs> oh, well, we, we, we actually uh, absolutely love Canada. And yes, we're we really do. glad that uh, you, you came on our show. We're really, really glad to have you here. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we're, we're fond of you guys up north as well. Uh, you know, big fan, big fan of the United States. Without laughing, yeah, I can't right, say it yeah. either. <laughs> you guys have been getting like a big, uh, you know, probably not the most popular perspective in the media over the past few years, but <laughs> most people I know when they travel internationally, they wear Canada shirts. <laughs> yeah, it's been that way since oh, yeah. the Bush administration. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was about that yeah. time when that started. I wouldn't. I went traveling in 2006 and, and several people, I was going to South America, several people said, hey, remember when you're down there, say you're from Canada. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, okay. Everyone loves Canada. Uh, you guys gave us South Park and Team America World Police, right? <laughs> right? As is tradition. As is tradition. As is tradition. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, this has been a really great episode. We're glad we want to thank uh, Nicholas, Nick McCroughton again for being here. Uh, we're going to have all the links to, to his stuff and the load project in the episode description. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're so glad you all came. Uh, remember, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your pets. Your pets' enemies. That's a, really our target demographic. And we want that neighbor cat that your cat hates. And don't hate on us about Bitcoin. We're just having fun. <laughs> we're just having fun, right? <laughs> there you there go. You go. There you go. There you go. All right. Any, any last final parting words, uh, Kyle, before we wrap it up? No. <laughs> well, well, I, I guess, I guess we'll just one, play the theme music and, and, and talk to you soon. Happy trades, folks. Bye. Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.